Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wheels in Motion podcast, a production of Carter Logistics. My name is John Wilman, and with me is my esteemed partner and sales manager colleague, Ted Boley. For today's podcast, we want to talk about uh, the intricacies of designing and implementing an RFQ uh, process for market. Um, essentially, these are big; these are challenging times in the industry, and an RFQ may be the uh, the right uh, response to the market conditions as they currently are. Ted, let's just start from the beginning. What are the primary objectives of conducting an RFQ? So, in a nutshell, there's probably three or four primary objectives that you're trying to do with an RFQ. Either you're trying to realize some savings out of your network, because maybe your network has changed quite a bit, or maybe you know it's either shrunk or, or expanded. Uh, you want to minimize increase impacts. Say uh, you know, carrier comes in for a rate increase and you know you need need to go out and vet that and see if that makes sense or not. Uh, maybe do a market test just to see what the market's doing. I mean, right now, uh, we all know that the, you know, the market's kind of crazy, uh, but you know, sometimes just doing a, a RFQ for a market test, just to see where we're at is, is a good thing. But then you got these two other options. Maybe you need to either increase your carrier base or you want to reduce your carrier base. Maybe you know, the way your business has run over the years, things have changed, evolved, so on and so forth. Maybe you've got too many carriers in the hopper, or maybe you don't have enough in the hopper. So maybe the RFQ is out there just to see what other carriers you can gain interest in. And I think the last thing I want to do RFQ for is, you know, technology. Technology's obviously changed over the last 20, 30 years, uh, even over the last couple of years. So maybe there's, you know, some new nuances that uh, come on with the technology that maybe you, you want to take advantage of. By putting RFQ out there, you can put those stipulations in an RFQ in a statement of work, a statement of, expect, statement of expectations. That way you can take advantage of that technology and leverage some of your spend on that. You know, Ted, that's a great point. I'd like to expound on that just a little bit, just to kind of summarize then. Really, you approach the market, and if it's carrier heavy, you may have an opportunity for reduction in your, in your pricing. If it's carrier light, so to speak, uh, your rates are likely going to be going up, not enough carriers with the uh, amount of freight that's available. So obviously it's a leveraging game when it comes to your overall pricing, but I've been in sales calls before where a customer will say, look, we want to gain these advantages in, in A, B, C, and D uh, in terms of savings, optimization, so on and so forth. But then I'd also like you to provide me with industry updates and possible technology enhancements and um, overall tools in terms of increasing my visibility I guess that what I'm trying to get to is, is this, is this a fair question from the customer to be asking for these, obviously, savings goals and savings targets, which would suggest us reducing margins to some extent, yet at the same time pushing us to provide more information and more technological uh, solutions? Are they talking out of both sides of their mouth? Well, not really. I mean, the reduction in margins, uh, savings doesn't have to be necessarily a reduction in margins. 
Good point. Uh, maybe it's more thinking outside the box, maybe being a little bit more, you know, this is what we did yesterday. Here's what we can do today. You know, things have obviously changed. Routes have changed. Locations, pockets of, you know, of the network have changed. So, you know, marrying stuff up, increasing frequency, decreasing frequency, doing consolidations, so on and so forth. All that stuff is is where some real hard savings can be had, but you need to have the technology and the bandwidth to actually perform that analysis and put put the I guess put the rubber to the road on that. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Again, kind of along the lines of strategy then as well. Let's say you're trying to uh, to do an RFQ for your truckload operations or truckload lanes. Is there anything that says you should more or less do a market test against your incumbent and really give your incumbent the inside track to the lanes, or should it be open open field for everybody involved? What are your thoughts? Let me put on my the person that's putting RFQ hat on. I would I would include. Make sure it's big enough to fit your head. <laughs> yeah, thanks, John. <laughs> it's adjustable, so when it swells and, and retracts, we, we can take good, care of good, it. Good, good, uh, good. Uh, I, you know, putting on, you know, the buyer's hat. I would, I would include the incumbent, uh, just because you know things have changed with them. Also, their network's probably changed along with your network. Maybe, maybe something that was a sweet spot for them, you know, two or three years ago is no longer a sweet spot. So, I would always include my incumbent. Uh, on a market test or, or or an RFQ, whatever the case may be, just to you know, just to get their feedback. It's not necessarily a bad thing all the time to get a market test. Maybe they come back and they're they need to raise their rates one or two cents a mile. But by you putting that out there as an RFQ, you're bringing that up to, I guess you're bringing that up as a conversation piece that they they need another penny or two a mile or something like that. So th- that that's kind of the risk that you're taking by doing that. But I, I really think you should include the incumbent carrier I, I, and not include them unless unless obviously there's some some reason why you want to part ways with the incumbent was a lack of service, lack of you know performance, so on and so forth. Yeah, I think so, too, Ted. I think you're exactly right. And and uh, as long as you do it fair and, and the same way to everybody, um, you know, you have your non-disclosure agreements up front. You know, you can't go to your incumbent and say carrier X is quoting this, carrier Y is quoting this. Why don't you quote this? You know, you, you can't share rates or that in the market, so on and so forth. In terms of ethics, I think you're exactly right. You want to make sure you're ethical and honest um, and then include the incumbent as much as you can. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, remember that logistics is a small world, too. You know, maybe two or three years down the road, things change and the incumbent carrier. You, you don't want to leave a you want to if you're going to depart with that carrier, you don't want to leave on bad terms. Right, because you never know what may happen down the road. Right, true. And you want, you want to look for partners. You want to look for partners you want to grow with. Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry about that, John. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're fine. Uh, you're fine. So really, we've done a pretty good job, I think, initially of talking about strategy and and uh, planning in, in terms of you know how you want to approach the RFQ. Let's talk about timing and how to do it effectively based on mode you know you've got several different modes any transportation or logistics manager or purchasing manager whatever your role is you know you've got truckload lanes typically ltl intermodal small pack then you can look at your international lanes in terms of full container ocean less than container ocean international air expedites you know how should you how should you approach this task then is should you 
combined mode? Should you attempt to do one mode at a time? What are what are the best ways to approach it when you've got such a diverse group of, of uh, carriers out there and modes? My objective, or I guess my my thoughts on this would be, you'd probably have three separate RFQs. They mm -hmm. can run simultaneously, or they can run right, one right after another, depending on your bandwidth that you have at your organization. Yeah, for sure. Truckload LTL, I think, could be in this in the same RFQ because there's a lot of providers that provide both both services, either with consolidation or you know they have some network uh, partners that actually help them do uh, some of the LTL shipments if they're a truckload carrier. Mm -hmm. um, small package, you know, there's two major players in the United States. Some may say three, and you know, really, and it's all about you know putting that out. And small package is a whole different ball game. Talk about logistics and freight. So really, to combine that with anything else, I think that one would be a, a one-off uh, by itself, the RFQ. Uh, and then you go to the C container and the freight forwarding, and so on and so forth. I think um, the providers in that realm are kind of fine with each other. So I think that would be a, a, a good group to set uh, a separate RFQ for too. So that would be your third RFQ. Yeah, I think so. That's excellent. Ted, I, I really appreciate that. I think as, as I look at this more uh, closely, obviously your, your effort's gonna be on your greatest amount of spend. If your top spend is in um, truckload, you know, obviously that would be your biggest apple to to, uh, to chew from first. Um, I'm just, I just look at in terms of timing and how, typically if you're gonna go through an RFQ process and you're gonna realize the benefits in terms of savings, you want those savings to start as quickly as you can. So theoretically, if you start the first quarter and you have your RFQ exercise completed by the end of October, I'm sorry, by the end of March, first quarter. Theoretically, then you're starting beginning of second quarter and you'll have nine months then to realize those savings. So the key is to really treat your time, you know, as your critical element in terms of getting it to market and getting it uh, out there accurately and efficiently while at the same time pushing so that, you know, you can start realizing savings as early as that same year, same calendar year, so to speak. My thoughts anyway, and then to your point, any mode you can kind of combine, truckload and LTL, maybe throw intermodal in there as well, and then maybe segregate and keep the international separate. You can look at it strategically any way you want, and your, your point about bandwidth is excellent as well. You know, what resources do you have at your disposal, either internal or external third-party service providers or otherwise, that can help you put uh, put this thing together. So, again, timing is, is critical and of the essence in this case. And, you know, you need to do some homework and, and some due diligence on the back end of this because you sure. know if you're going to do three separate RFQs if you have those three types of transportation which one will would bring their your biggest bang for the buck maybe the truckload and LTL is probably not the biggest bang for your buck because you do so much overseas shipping and containers and so on and so forth so you know doing some market research and things like that before you set this out probably be a good idea I completely agree completely agree well, let's talk about maybe the most important element of the whole RFQ process, and that is the uh, the credibility and the collection of your data for the actual exercise itself. I think it really comes down to, Ted, two questions. What is the data or requirements that you need? And number two is, where do you find that data? And obviously, number three, I guess, would be the accuracy and the dependability of it and the credibility overall of what you're presenting to the market. So let's start from the beginning then, Ted. What's the best way to obtain this data? What are the means of doing so? There's three, three maybe four different ways of, of gathering the data. If you're using a TMS, obviously you can do some 
reporting and download that information, all the freight movements that have moved through the TMS uh, to get that. Uh, if you're using an outside, say, freight payment company, they will have all that data stored in some kind of database that you could download and then put into an RFQ format. Third one, probably the most excruciating one is, you know, if, if you don't have either a TMS or a freight payment company, you probably have an AP department that's entered invoices one at a time. Sure. Uh, so you have an option of, you know, you or, you know, maybe some, some, some of your, some of your team members, or maybe even a, an outside source possibly helping all those freight bills and put them into a database or can create a database. Because usually when you're entering invoices in for AP, you're not putting how much weight moved. You're not putting how many skids moved. You're not putting a class. You're not putting origin destination. All you're doing is entering, a, say, a pro number, mm-hmm. a vendor code, and how much to pay on that invoice after it's been audited. So th- those are the three major ones that I can mm-hmm. think of. You know, the, f- the fourth one um, is maybe doing a combination. Maybe, you know, you have certain divisions that use a freight payment company or someone that has collected uh, a database with them, or you have someone on the dock actually capturing data from the freight coming in and kind of linking that to uh, into an invoice per se. Mm-hmm. That would be very helpful on, say, the truckload movements to see if the truckload movements, if you're not using a TMS or anything, you're not capturing that cube data or the, the weight data, um, how much are those truckloads cubed out or weighted out? And see if, you know, if, if, there, if there's capacity on that. Say, you know, I have a truck that's coming in from a supplier, it's, you know, 75% full. So you kind of capture that information so that you know there's there's a possibility of adding either a stop or maybe breaking it into some other kind of like, say, milk run or something like that. Well, that's excellent. So that that's, again, you painted a, big, a good picture as far as where you go to find this data. Clearly, it's out there. You just need to find the points of where you can retrieve it from. Can you talk a little bit more about the specifics of what you should be looking for? What are the critical data elements that are, that are going to be most critical in terms of when you, you want to make sure everybody's, you know, preaching the same Bible or, or whatnot as far as accuracy and, and what you're looking for? Yeah, that, that's a, this is probably the most crucial part of mm-hmm. the RFQ process is I getting agree. the data, getting the correct data, and making sure you interpret the data correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I've seen a lot of data come through and all the pieces of freight are the same same class. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because their writing structure was an FAK freight all kinds, so everything moves at a class 85. But if you get down into the details, you got some freight that's moving, that's actually moving at, I'd say, a class 50, and some that's actually moving at a 125. So those are the kind of details you got to get into uh, on, on, on finding what the data that you have, you need one of the, the laundry lists, I guess I can go through is, you know, is your freight on skids? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it transportable by a forklift or is it maybe on slip sheets? So we want to make sure that, you know, the, you, you, the information you provide to the participants in RFQ, they know how to handle it and they can handle it. I mean, there's some carriers that you may not be able to touch freight, so on and so forth, which a, a slip um, sheet kind of method might, might have them touching freight. What are the, the dimensions of the skids? You know, sometimes you, you can stack freight, you know, two or three times based on the dimensions. But if you don't have those dimensions on there, you don't give the providers any leeway to do some analysis and do some optimization. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the weight of the skids? You know, you can vary in weight from, you know, 30, 40 pounds 
all the way up to 8,000 pounds. I think we moved some 8,000 pound skids inside our, our consolidation. So that, that's a very important piece because if, if we're looking, if your objective and is RFQ is to, to save money, which I, wouldn't, I would think everyone wants to save some money, is it, have that information correctly so that they know that's 8,000 pounds on that one skid. And you, if you're trying to fill up a truck, you know how much uh, weight you have left to fill that truck up with. Um, I know I mentioned before that the, how, how high the skids can be stacked. You know, you might have a 21 inch high skid, but you found in the past, if you stack it over too high, then you get damage on your bottom skids. So you wanna make sure that you include that information on that RFQ. So someone that's looking at that, optimizing that uh, data, they can do it correctly. What is the actual class if that's had in your data? If you, you know, if if your invoice, you're taking your information from your invoice, what the class of freight that was classified as uh, is the freight hazmat. That's a very important piece, especially if the carrier that you're sending this out to doesn't have a hazmat endorsement, then they wouldn't be able to move this freight. But if they don't know that, they won't know that. So they, they would just provide a quote, not not knowing that it was hazmat. So they ain't getting some trouble there. Uh, is the freight temperature sensitive? There's some freight, some glues, some other type of materials that you know have to be at a certain uh, temperature. So it might require a temperature controlled trailer. So if you're sending this out to basket of carriers, perhaps some of them don't have refrigerated trailers, so they wouldn't be able to move this if they, they knew that information. Another thing is, what is the expected transit time? So that in the RFQ, you put that expected transit time so that you're comparing apples to apples. You don't want one carrier to think, oh, I can, I can move this in five days. Another carrier says, I can move it in three days. We're not really ca uh, comparing apples to apples because what, you, what your expectations are is how many, is this, it's to keep this transit time the same. So that one is doing a five-day transit might be a little bit cheaper, but they have five-day transit. So you need to know that information. So that I would definitely put that in there also. Um, one of the biggest things that we've run into, I think, John, you've run into this a couple of times, I've run into quite a bit, is are there returnable containers? Mm -hmm. And do you capture that information? If you don't, if you're just getting your truckload invoices and you're just processing an invoice, you don't know the amount of freight that's on there. That's where you like want to go on the dock and do a look and see and see how much of that freight is filling that trailer, both on the inbound side and outbound side. For example, I've got, uh, you know, I got 48, 48, 45, 48s, and they knock down. Uh, so when they're coming in, they're a full trailer, but when they're going out, they're only, you know, say 20% of a trailer. It's a five, five to one ratio. So those are important things to know on that information and to provide that to the participants if they will be knocked down or not so that they can see opportunities to match things up or consolidate uh, some movements on there. You know, Ted, it, it really comes down to transparency you know, honesty and transparency with the market. It's almost like, you know, where the data is, you know, what you need to do or what you're exactly looking for. But there's also more or less the story behind that data as well. You know, you mentioned um, solar or team transit. You know, do you need the, the product quicker? You know, temperature control requirements, hazmat. You know, data is one thing, but then to know what's all driving that data or what, what that data is a result of in terms of your need is very critical. And you can have carriers quoting either well beneath your expectation or well above your expectation based on your level of honesty and, and transparency with the market. 
So this is great. You brought up a lot of great points that, that really tells the story of what the data shows you, but it also gives you an opportunity to really tell the story of, of what your supply chain, how it operates, and what those needs specifically are, you know, as, as identified in your statements of expectations. So uh, well, great John, You kind of brought up a good point, too, on, on the uh, incumbent, because, you know, the incumbent's going to know a lot of this freight, the characteristics of this freight. Uh, and you know the rest of the participants may not. So if you don't spell that out in the RFQ, the incumbent could be at a disadvantage or at an advantage based on what what type of freight you're looking at. So you want to make sure that everybody's on the same level playing field when they're quoting. They have the same knowledge and they have the same data to to look at. And you know when you have a Q and A session, that all the questions are are received. All the questions are in, in answered and all those are sent back out to all the participants so that, you know, if one, one carrier had a question, maybe another one didn't think about, then it might spark some spark something else that might produce uh, very productive to the RFQ. Yep, absolutely. So we're on a good path here. Let's talk about, you know, the actual carrier qualification process or what I like to call carrier vetting. Ted, what does that look like at a very high level? So you you have uh, three major things uh, that I would look at in the carrier vetting, or it could be carrier broker or 3PL, I guess. Uh, those are three types of uh, transportation providers. You get the financial health. You wanna make sure that the carrier or the provider that you're looking at is in good financial health. They're gonna be uh, still in business, you know, year, two, three years down the road um, and making sure um, that they can provide the services that you're requiring. Um, a good financial statement, you know, good good balance sheet, all that stuff comes into play on having a, a good run company. Uh, performance, you want to make sure that their performance is up to par. Uh, maybe uh, do some vetting with uh, other other um, other buyers in, in the similar market that you're in for transportation and see what kind of performance some of these carriers have. You might find some carriers that maybe you never heard of before because you never you never saw them before or didn't think that they service certain areas. So that's an important thing to also look at. Uh, and then the lastly is the is the tracking and I, I guess what we would call access uh, to the operational personnel. Is it a 24/7 operation? I mean if you're if if your operation is a 24/7 operation, I think you would expect that your transportation provider would also be a 24-7 operation. Things happen in the middle of the night, things happen in the middle of the day. You know, a rescue a shipment, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, I would like to, you know, pick up the phone and be able to call someone and, and get a live agent and try to have them help me through that process. Because I'm gonna, again, we're all in this together. This is, you know, this is a relationship where they need to be aligned right beside you in your, in your uh, operation. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ted, we've covered a lot of ground here. I think the last thing I just wanted to talk about a little bit, talk a little bit about kind of to conclude this podcast is really to talk about your methodology for execution. And what I'm talking about that is, is the actual format of the RFQ and who should tender it to market. Is it something you should develop and, and format yourself through the use of Excel or, or Microsoft Access or whatever format or whatever program I should say you want to use? Or does it make sense to uh, talk to some of the companies out there that do uh, RFQs as their core uh, core business principle? Um, what are your thoughts? 
That's that's a that's a really good question, um, and it's gonna it's gonna vary by how big your operation is, how intricate it is, and I guess your knowledge of managing database and managing RFQs. You know, sure. if you know, if I've got five thousand truckloads going to you know four thousand different locations during the year, I mean, how am I able to effectively put out an RFQ and manage that to you know say a hundred carriers? Or, you know, I mean, how am I, how am I going to do that? Am I going to do it through email, which could be, you know, that could be an email nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, or do I have some software that I have access to that I can send this out right. through an RFU? But again, I'm managing it. So you got to think about, do I have time to manage that? Does my team have time to manage that? And still do the day-to-day operations that they have to uh, conduct. And then there's also, you know, a third-party option. You could execute um, a contract with a third party that would actually, you know, take your data, put it into a format, send it out to the participants, and they they would kind of slice it and dice it for you uh, mm-hmm. in that in that format. So when you come back, you can just you know look at the comparison of, of all the numbers. Now I do want to I do want to bring up one one um, issue that comes about with doing a standardized RFQ is it doesn't allow the participants out there that have the abilities to optimize, to consolidate, so on and so forth. It might not let them do that because you're putting them into a box saying, here's, you got to quote it this way. Maybe uh, one way around as to maybe have an alternative quote, but if you're looking at numbers all standardized in the same format, in the same, same way, it'd be kind of hard to differentiate uh, those other ones. They're in a, a optimized, optimized state, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, I guess it comes down to, you know, the economies of scale. You know, how large your transportation spend is. You know, compared to what the cost of going an outside source to do this for you versus doing it internally. You know, a lot of things to consider. I, again, I keep coming back to that time question. Um, nobody has enough of it, especially if you've got a low bandwidth of personnel and internal resources where. You might may need to rely on that outside source to to uh, help fill that gap and get it done more quickly. At the same time, if the costs are too astronomical and you won't see the return, you know you may have to just suck it up and do it on your own. It's 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 a tough question to answer sometimes, but it's still a question you need to ask nonetheless. Correct, correct. You know you you mentioned timing, and I I think that's one piece that uh, is kind of taken for granted sometimes. It is and for that- sure. When, when we're sending out, when the RFQ goes out and the timing, the timing that is allowed for the carriers to look, you know, I've seen, I've seen, you know, responses needed in two days. I've seen responses needed in 30 days or in with an implementation, you know, 90 to 120 days out. That That's a very important piece of this. If you really want to get providers that are going to look at it and try to do their best to their ability to try to supply the best rate that they can with the best service level. I mean, what what do you what what do you think is the is a good timing to let them just get the data, digest it, maybe ask some questions, right? I mean, that's that's probably a because there's always going to be some interpretation that's going to be right. done, but you want to keep some of that. You want to keep squelch some of that. You want to if there's any questions. Don't make any assumptions. Just throw them out there, right? I mean, right. Sure. What do you think is a, a normal time for that? Uh, I mean, is it is it you know one week, two weeks, three weeks? What what have you seen? 
I've seen a lot of different things. Typically, the rule of thumb, at least in my experience, is when you try to get the actual rollout, introduction, care qualification, all that done within one month. Um, and then maybe the last week of that month or the first week of the following month, you actually let the carriers go through a coding process. You've got a, a second or third week of that second month where you're actually doing an evaluation and determining what your competitive price points would be. I would suggest if you want to go multiple rounds, don't go any more than two. I think any more than two, you're just kind of wasting your time and pushing for something you're not going to achieve anyway while losing that time. So again, go through the end of round two. And really at the end of two months, then you've got um, the RFQ identified, the savings identified, the carriers qualified. Then use that third month again to maybe do some mini internal interviews if you can, if you've got the time to do it. And uh, make sure the carriers are in full understanding and comprehension of what you're asking them to do. And that comes down to process as well in terms of operations and freight payment and insurance and some of these other questions you got to iron out. And then really take that third month then to, to set up the implementation timeline with a go live date of that fourth month, that first week of the fourth month. Again, that's not you know written in stone. You can do it a lot of different ways, but to me that's been the model that works most effectively. Yeah, because there's going to be some surprises that come up, right? Um, Absolutely. Carry, carry a bit on a lane and all of a sudden you know, something happened to, uh, you know, say it was a one-way and, and he, he end up losing some business for some reason. So he can't marry it up with something anymore. Things mm -hmm. like that are going to happen. And I think the more, the more transparent that you are with the carriers and the providers, both within yourself and with them, I think the better flow of the operation will be, you know, in a long lasting relationship that, uh, that, you know, you can rely on each other going forward many years ahead. Absolutely. Ted, this has been great. Uh, I always learn a little bit more. I always feel like I'm a little smarter after talking to you for an hour. So I really appreciate the time and, and your information you shared this, this afternoon. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, John. Anytime. Uh, I really enjoy doing these and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, uh, people out there are getting some useful information, things that maybe they didn't think about in the past. Well, considering the presenters, how could they not? <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ted. We'll talk again next month. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have an idea for an upcoming podcast, please send your ideas to marketing at carter-express.com. Until next time.